This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Welcome to the Blueprint Review Podcast, uh, episode 37. How come there's not the musical um, fading this time? Because we've changed the recording uh, methods. Uh, I don't, it's, I'm not using the computer at all except for Skype. I'm recording it into this little device. Is that the new Blueprint sound fandangle thing? It is, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Anyway, uh, we've got our fandangle out. <laughs> let's, let's talk movies. We're going to have a bit of an Oscar special today. Uh... But should we just crack on and get some reviews out of the way Let's first? just do it, yeah. yeah. We've, got, we've got a tight deadline. We've got a race against time. We do, what time And as, as a race against yeah. time, that's maybe that, that feeds quite well into what Lindsay's saying. Die Hard. Is that a, um, a race against time of any sorts? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's kind of your standard fare. Bruce Willis going to save his son, who he thinks is in jail in Russia, gets there. What a surprise. Kid's actually a CIA agent. Um, together they have to stop the bad guy. Um, they've got some secret codes, some... Weapons grade uranium. The final set piece happens at Chernobyl. It, uh, Chernobyl. It's very mu- yeah. So it's very much a race against time. It's trying to stop the bad guys before they do whatever evil they're going to do. Um, but it kind of works. So I just threw threw myself straight into Die Hard there. Um, yeah, there's a really odd set piece in the first kind of the, the first car chase is one of the longest and most gratuitous car wrecking car chase scenes I've ever seen in my life. Like they must destroy. Three, four hundred cars for absolutely no reason other than that it's cool. I've heard it's preposterous. It is. It isn't as preposterous as the last one. Like it's a much tighter plot. The plot's very simple. It's like go in, rescue the boy, and um, well, not rescue the boy, find the boy, and then try and rescue the prisoner. There's a couple of plot twists that are really obvious, but I shan't spoil them. Like it twists and then it twists again and it twists back. Um, I don't think you'd be spoiling it for any of us. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to go watch it. It's preposterous that they survive the first attack, let alone being kind of, you know, they, they, there's one scene in a ballroom in the helicopter which shoots bullets the size of fucking footballs um, and they manage to not get hit. Like, there's a scene where they actually run, you know, that whole classic running away from bullets scene where you just think they have been mincemeat by by now. But, um, yeah, it's... It was all right. It was like Friday night kind of cannon fodder. I'm not, I'm not sure about paying to have seen it, but, you know, them's the breaks. But it was better than the last one. It had a much better sense of plot than the last one did, um, like, and it kept it much cleaner, which I kind of felt that they did with Mission Impossible as well. These films have actually realised that what you want is, there's your bad guy, there's your good guy, good guy, kill bad guy, done. Um, Maybe that's what so, you want, Linz. <laughs> no, it was, well, yeah, I mean, I could have I lived without it, but um, I've seen it and I don't feel angry that it took time away from me like I have done with the films. Do you like, like the original Dyad? Do you know, I... Not sure I've seen them through and through. Well, all the way probably, through. It probably explains why you're quite soft on these new ones, because I hear that it just destroys everything that Die Hard represents. What does Die Hard represent? I didn't know Die, Die Hard had like a... Uh, yeah, a, it's well ahead of... Not, maybe not ahead of its time, but it's well different to all the other... It's not generic action... No. Film oh, and he, he's action not an action, a generic action superstar. Yeah. He's like a, meant to be an every, every man. Remember that this was... Bruce Willis before he was Bruce Willis. He was in like a cheesy sitcom in the 80s. Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Oh, 
Well, with Sybil. And Sybil Shepherd. Mm. And this was like the, his first film. It, so it was like a completely sort of against the grain. It, it would be similar to someone like it, would, like... it was in like a romantic comedy sitcom now. Some, uh, Should have thought about this, maybe. Yeah, yeah, someone from Friends. But maybe oh. someone, maybe someone from Friends, maybe, maybe. But but it turned into this mega action star, and he was about, he was this very sort of fallible, very, what's the opposite of invincible, invincible, yeah, <laughs> damageable. <laughs> Who, um, he, he kind of still is, but he's he's also he's old, and it's a bit. It has a bit of that thing that we, me and Dave were talking about last time about with Arnie, where. They're playing on you. You know them. Them in the height of their kind of being kickass. Like you know, he's a bit slow and he's a bit like, oh, I'm old and I'm slow and I'm bored of this shit. But yeah, like I'm I'm not a massive kind of diehard purist. I only go and watch them because somebody makes me. Um, like I would never have chosen to watch it, but I don't feel angry that I've seen it. If that makes sense. Yeah, but maybe that kind of explains why you're not. You're not angry yeah. about seeing I've but seen it. It is improbable in terms of him being an, a kind of an everyman. It is improbable that he'd a be capable of half the things that he's capable of in these films, and b that he'd survive half of the, the you know even a tenth of the situations that he finds himself in. Like the man's ability to run from gunfire, the man's ability to survive what are pretty horrific car crashes and helicopter crashes and all sorts of fucking shit. You just but, think yeah. things that kill other people in the film don't kill him, but he's. In no way more special. But that, that's what not what Dyad is like. Yeah. He is very... He can get hurt. He doesn't do anything that's utterly ridiculous. You know, it's kind of grounded in much more of a reality. And that was different to the, you know, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, um, Dolph Lundgren, John Club Van Damme at the time sort of films. Like he, he was like this guy everyone could relate to and he... Yeah, no, he's not that anymore. He's just yeah, another... He's just a generic kind of, sort of, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's another kind of token, ageing bad guy doing... Not bad guy, ageing kind of tough guy doing ageing tough guy stuff where you know they're going to win in the end. You know that they're going to get their justice and he'll be mm. bloody and battered and he'll make a few wisecracks. It's, you know, it's 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 almost formulaic. Like, you can smell, you can, you know, you can you can sense what's coming next and you can, you know, the dialogue what in places. What can you smell, sorry? <laughs> you can smell it. But you know what I mean? You can be like, yeah, you can, you can almost see the plot twists happening and you mm. can see the markers and obviously, you know, a little bit of Russian stereotyping always goes down the tree. But, um... Was there any whis- uh, vodka drinking? There was... Was there? No, I'm not sure, actually. You know what it did do, though? It went straight into it. Like, there was no fucking messing, no messing about. about. Well, it was well, like, next time like, there's some generic action film, I reckon you should bin that off and go watch Die Hard instead. The original. Yeah. They're in the house because he loves them, but I... I, you, I know you've I've been seen... street when you say they're in the house, or...? No, no, they're actually in my house. <laughs> oh, OK, um, yeah, yeah. But I've, I know I've seen bits of them. There's the one where he's on a plane... Yeah. Two. That's two, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen bits of that, and I've got images of him crawling through a... And uh, like an air shaft, shaft thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I think I've seen bits of them, but it's probably one of those things that my brother's I'm surprised it's something you haven't watched, Linz, because I would think you that'd be something you would love. Because you love action films. Yeah. Right, yeah. I do like a bit of trash, but um, I think maybe they've just never been put on in front of me. Like, the, or, or I maybe saw them when I was little, and, and you forgot, actually, you actually forget what's in them, apart from key things like him crawling through a duct, an air duct and the white vest and the, you know... But then how much of that have you seen from movie compilation shows and stuff? Mm. You yeah, never quite know what you have or haven't seen. Well, cool. I think that was far too long spent yeah. on Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, well, I've seen a couple of films. Uh, have I you have... seen? Sorry? I said, what have you seen? Oh, sorry. Uh, I have seen a couple of films. Um, I'll talk about the... Uh, I'll say briefly, but you know how it goes. I'm going to talk about a, a documentary I've seen, actually, called The Punk Syndrome. 
um, which has been on a bit of a limited release uh, around cinemas the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, the documentary is about a, a Finnish uh, punk band, but um, with a difference. The punk band are actually made up of people with uh, mental disabilities, um, many of which are sort of in special sort of shared housing and stuff like this. And uh, they basically formed a, a punk band that has toured... It originally, it tours around Finland at the start, but it actually, the film chronicles it actually touring um, across Europe. Um, so they, they do fairly well. They've released a single and stuff like that. And uh, uh, yes, yeah, so the documentary is about, is about them. And I must say, it was, uh, I, I, was, I was brought to see this by my wife. She's finished, so anything remotely finished that comes to England, we have to see. Uh, but this was really, really, really good, actually. Um, the best film I've seen so far this year. It's, <laughs> It's 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 fantastic. It's it's just got a nice mi- balance and and it treats its subjects very well. It's like um, it's very very funny, but not a funny in a ha ha. Let's look at these these people with problems and. Yeah, but is it funny in that way as well? <laughs> not in a. I mean, the, the, <laughs> some of the things that happen to them wouldn't always happen to normal people, and those elements are funny, but it never feels like it's sort of poking fun at them and sort of pointing and laughing at them. Uh, it's, it's more a case of... It, it's, it's almost like watching Spinal Tap. So a lot, of this, a lot of this ridiculous stuff is just ridiculous stuff that might happen to, a, um, to a sort of any sort of rock band, sort of punk rock band. Uh, but it just so happens these guys have a men- mental disabilities. But as I say, there are things that happen to them that may, might not happen to normal normal bands. I mean, one of them shits himself, basically, and he has to... Which is disgusting, but... Uh, I like the Paul shit had. himself in 68. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but no, it, it's... it's And the other thing is, it's, it's incredibly moving, but without ever being forced, there's no sort of... It doesn't really hammer home, like, it's not... The film isn't about them being disabled and being like, oh, look how, how hard their lives are and all this, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't do that at all. It's it's just there. It's It, it doesn't hammer anything home, yet it's still very touching, it's touching mainly because the film, uh, rather than being about their disabilities, is just about their friendship and how this these group of these guys. A lot of them, are, uh, well, there's a mixture of ages. They they really range from I think the youngest, like, I don't know the exact ages, but the youngest maybe like 19 or sort of that, and the oldest is looks to be in his 50s. And and it's just about the friendship between these guys uh, and the sort of hard work as they're going on the tour and and and, and stuff like that. Um, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Without, but even though it's pretty ugly and just shot on crappy sort of digital cameras, just 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 very touching, very very funny. Um, there's a scene, there's a scene where they uh, one of the guys really doesn't want to go. He, he they're being forced to go and see a um, oh, a chiropodist. Chiropodist is that with feet? feet yeah. yeah. Uh, they're forced to go to see a, a chiropodist and, and get a. Um, and get their feet done, and 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 he just and he he doesn't want to. He really doesn't want to, and he just starts going mental about it, and ends up writing this crazy punk song about about feet. I don't want to go. I don't want to have a, a foot massage and all that. It's just really bizarre. It, it doesn't sound that funny, but when you see it in the film, it's, it just it just had me in tears. Basically, it's just brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Really, really good film. If you can find it anywhere, um, check it out. I'm sure it'll be out on DVD soon as well. Um, they tend to, with these limited release sort of things, they tend to go straight out on DVD and Blu-ray pretty much soon after. <laughs> so yeah, check that out. Awesome. Very sounds very sounds good. Sounds really good, actually. Mm.
Yeah, so I've been to see um, a couple of films this um, since last time. Um, one of them I went to see was a film called Flight. Um, that is Denzel Washington's... Um, not Denzel Washington's film, but he's in it. Obviously, he's the lead star in it. Um, Robert Zemeckis directed it, and um, is it Mike Gattins wrote it. Um, yeah, I think so. And um, so, obviously, he's nominated for a few Oscars. It's kind of highly regarded. I mean, when, when I first saw the trailer, I was thought it sounded exactly the same as Unstoppable, but with a plane. Um, but it is, it, could, it is actually very, very different. The, the, the story is that um, Denzel Washington plays this pilot, and he's um, a sort of a, a coke addict, is an alcoholic, um, and he kind of le- le- leads this sort of like kind of free and easy lifestyle and what happens is is that he, and he does that while he's piloting as well you see, you see him that he's, he's kind of high and he's pissed and then he goes to pilot this plane and he get introduced to the kind of flight stuff and then on this flight um, I mean I obviously don't want to go into too much spoiler territory I mean this is the beginning this is the whole point of the film is that on this flight they have technical troubles and he ends up sort of doing this miraculous feat to, to crash the plane and reduce the sort of deaths um, and he ends up sort of like rolling it and turning it upside down and it flies. And he ends up, it is like a, a, an absolute sort of genius bit of piloting. Um, and the film then kind of chronicles what happens afterwards, that he's this hero. He's an absolute hero to, to, to kind of America and to all the families of all the people he saved. But in the sort of Inquisition, I suppose, they realise that the, it, the kind of truth about him being loaded while he did it Comes out, and it's and it's about the sort of trial of who is to blame. Is it a technical problem? Because obviously the the airline want to blame him. The, everybody wants to blame everybody else, and he has to sort of prove his innocence. So we, there's this sort of team, which is sort of John Goodman and Don Cheadle, and the Don Cheadle's a lawyer, and they're sort of tasked with sort of proving his innocence, which in, I suppose involves a lot of lies. Um, and and in, in a way, it's a big character study about how he. Can, needs to sort of learn to tell the truth for a start, but also accept the truth about who he is. So the film plays out like that. Um, and it's, I mean, I actually thought it was a, a great, great film. I think tonally is a little bit odd. I mean, it could have been done really seriously and really weighty as a real sort of uh, emotional character study. And it does a, it's a little bit trashier than that. It is. I mean, I would say sort of it's got like a 80% of it is quite classy. It's, it is a pure character study of him. But there is a real sort of sleazy, trashy side to it. Yeah, on the trailer, I remember John Goodman's character had been a bit more sort of comic and a bit sort of... He is quite He is quite... <clears throat> he is. Um, but it is, it does have that. It really sort of... I mean, glamorises is the wrong word. But, it, you know, he is a cokehead. I'm a cokehead, and he is an alcoholic. And he embraces that. And there is the sort of question of, does he... Is he so, is he so good... On the plane because he's so alert because he's coked up and he's alert and he's with it and 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 that plays on at the end where he's got to tell these lies and he's got to approach this court and and it's like the sort of you know does is he did he is he that good because of the drugs or you know it's just quite quite interesting that plays that sort of morality sort of tale Um, so but it's just nice I mean I don't think the I don't think it really balances the the kind of tone brilliantly I think sometimes it's for me it's a little bit jarring at times but I kind of liked how brave it was for that 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 it was this sort of quite political it's very emotional but it did have this sort of moments of trash that didn't quite work but still pretty good Um, but um, and obviously I mean I'm a massive massive fan of Denzel Washington I think he's absolutely phenomenal he can work on shit films and he's still good in them and and it's you know it's good to see him 
kind of partnered with really good material, I suppose. He's just as solid as ever. In all honesty, I don't necessarily think it's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal performance for him. Do you know what I mean? It's like, a, for me, it was just a kind of bog standard Denzel Washington performance. I mean, but bog standard Denzel is still fucking st- stunning. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was, it is that kind of, you know, is this better than his other stuff, which he's never had a nomination for. And it's, but I mean, oh, who cares? But, um, but it, no, it, but it, yeah, it was good. It really good, really great, great little film, actually. So, um, um, and obviously, Laura, you've seen it as well. I mean, yeah. what, what do you think? Not much more to add. I just think the, um, the first, all I want to say is about the first kind of 15, 20 minutes of the actual flight itself. Is probably the most some of the the most tense moments in a film that I've ever watched. That the, it is an incredible sequence, the flight se- sequence. It, 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 you just so there with them. I was like gripping onto my cinema seats. It felt like I was on a flight. <laughs> it's that. It's really really good. That those that section. That's all I wanted to say. Really yeah, the mechas is yeah. good because I can remember. Um, because he's well, Robert Zemeckis hasn't done a live action film for ages. Yeah. And one of the last ones he did was Castaway, and that had quite an awesome, like plane crash thing. Yeah, it's better than Castaway's plane crash. Oh, okay. I would say. Oh, it is a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal it's sequence. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It is terrible. Impressed by the Castaway yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, for a man who is very scared of plummeting to his death in planes, Darren, I imagine that had a particular resonance for you. Yeah, exactly. It was just like oh, I, I, I just kept thinking, what the fuck would I be thinking about was on that plane? Because it, it is just absolutely puts terrifying. You there. Yeah, puts you there. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. well um, awesome. Sounds good. Uh, I do want to catch that, but I'm, yeah. I'm, there's a load of films I want to watch at the minute. Um, the next film that I did see uh, was Cloud Atlas. Um, oh, don't don't give too much away. I won't give too much away. I haven't really read it. I've read it. I know. I keep saying that, and I've read it. Um, yeah, I haven't changed <laughs> it from the book. But um, but no, yeah, uh, Card Atlas. Um, it's it's a funny one. This uh, I can remember seeing the trailers and thinking it looked fascinating. So I actually went out and read the book. So I read the book very recently, uh, which is usually a bit of a, a bad idea. Um, and since then, the film has been a bit pretty panned by the sort of mainstream press. Um, it's had some pretty poor reviews, but I thought I'd give it a try anyway because I was intrigued. And I've seen a few sort of bloggers and things that actually say, no, it's worth watching. Um, but yeah, Cloud Atlas, for people who don't know, um, oh God, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to explain without going on for about 20 minutes. Uh, but it's basically six stories in one. Um, there's And, and th- in the book, at least, they, these sort of move up chronologically. So you've got one that's set in the sort of Ooh, 1700s, 1800s, or something like that. I'm not really entirely sure. But basically, in the past, um, about. <laughs> the oldie <laughs> yeah. pasty. The oldie pasty. It's 1700s. Um, I think. 1700s, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, and that's that's about a, uh, a, a, a a guy who goes on this. He's on, he's on an ocean sort of voyage and he's he's very ill, basically. He's got a. Um, there's uh, like a parasite in his brain. Um, and then the next story goes a little bit late, later, and uh, that's about a composer um, who's... Uh, this is one of the few things they have changed, actually. In the book, he goes to Belgium uh, and sort of lives with a, uh, a, a composer there. Uh, <coughs> in here, he goes to Edinburgh for some reason. And it's, and it's about him... <laughs> Tax break. Probably. Yeah, I guess so. It's about him and also about his relationship, because um, uh, he's, he's writing letters to this... Uh, uh, gay lover that he's got uh, back in London. Um, so it's got stuff about their relationship, even though you rarely see them together. Um, then the next film is set in the present day, 
and that's about a publisher who uh, ends up getting put into an old people's home um, b uh, by his brother uh, in a sort of an evil evil way to get rid of him. You've missed one in the 70s, Dave. Oh yeah, I've missed a story. There's too many bloody stories. Yeah, before that, sorry, there's a, there's a story in the 70s uh, and that's like a sort of a, a, a mystery thriller, conspiracy thriller about this, uh, this journalist, this young journalist, Halle Berry, who goes out to, um, to uncover the truth about this uh, nuclear power station. Um, and then, and then after, then we start going to the future um, and there's one that's set in a sort of a Blade Runner style sort of what people normally think of when they think of the future um, where uh, it's basically consumerism's taken over the world and there's these sort of weird clone type things that, um, that run McDonald's and all this sort of stuff. Well, not actually McDonald's, but something that blatantly is McDonald's. Um, and, and it's about one of these sort of weird clones that... Um, that is broken out of her world and, and is sort of showing the truth. And so there's a bit of a sci-fi thriller going on in that story. And then the final story is set way into the future, but it's so far into the future that things have sort of... Uh, the, the, it's, it's after a sort of a fallout, a nuclear fallout or something like that. You don't really... It doesn't explain exactly what happened. Uh, but basically the world's gone back into sort of tribalism and, uh, and we've got um, these weird sort of tribes living in, in what's left of the earth. Uh, but then there are some people who are sort of traditional sort of futuristic types uh, and, and in the form of Halle Berry again, um, which we'll talk about later, who comes to uh, one of these tribes to sort of live with them. Um, but clearly she's actually looking for something else. But yeah, those are the six stories. And uh, whereas the book sort of plays them out, sort of half of a story each building up um, and then going back down, this... This intercuts them all, the, um, the film, and intercuts between all the stories throughout. Um, yeah, and what does I think about it? Um, it's a funny one. Strange, I mean, usually when you read a book and then watch the film straight, straight afterwards, it's almost always, uh, you, it's, it's going to suffer. Um, but what I found, I actually, because I wasn't a huge fan of the book, I thought the book had problems, and I actually think the film's improved on s uh, some weaker aspects of the book, but... At the same time, the film is weaker at the stronger aspects of the book. So for me, what worked better in, in the film was the overall structure. I think the overall structure of the book, I found, made reading the book very difficult. Because you just read half a story, then it stops. You start reading another one, stops, start reading another one. And you've got to wait, because it's a long book, you've got to wait ages before you read the end of one of the other books. Um, at least for the first, first couple of stories. Um, so it's difficult to sort of stay with the book and to keep engaged with it. So as an overall, as an overall thing, I, I didn't think the book worked very well. Where, um, but with the book, I thought each individual story on its own, taken on its own, were brilliant. They were really well written, really interesting, really exciting. Whereas the film, the overall structure, I think, is works a lot better in the film because you've got everything in, in sort of three hours. It intercuts. So it's, it, you never lose the flow of the, of the stories. Um, so that works brilliantly. But the films themselves are quite flawed. There's a lot of, a lot of problems. So taking, taking sort of on their own, the indiv individual stories are nowhere near as strong. Um, a lot of the sort of characters in particular are a bit weaker. You don't have the same because the, the writing is, is very good. And what's interesting about the book is every, every 
element, every story is written completely differently, and the, and the different sort of writing styles are really interesting to see. Whereas the film, um, yeah, they are, the, each story looks different. You can sort of tell, obviously, tell the difference between them because of the characters and things like that, but and the settings. But you don't get that same sort of. It doesn't impress as much when you shift between them. Um, and as I say, I think the characters suffer because you're cramming. Uh, a, I don't know, 600-page book or 500-page book, whatever it is, cramming that into three hours, um, you're going to lose you lose a bit of substance. Um, but overall, it worked. I can see why people are slagging it off, though. I, I think uh, it's... Although although it is, um, it was a lot better than I thought it'd be, and it's a lot more enjoyable, a lot more engrossing, uh, the main problem for me is their choice <coughs> to cast the same actors in all of those different stories... Um, as different characters, uh, because the settings are so different, it means that they have ridiculous sort of makeup jobs in each one. I mean, mm. you've got Hugo Weaving plays uh, an elderly woman in one of the stories, and it's just ridiculous. It's like Mrs. Doubtfire or something. It just it doesn't work. It's like what what the fuck are you thinking? It was just ridiculous. Um, and then you get um, in, in the fu- the first sort of future story um, is sort of set in uh, in. Korea, actually, I want to say Japan, but I think it's actually sort of Korea. And uh, so you've got all these uh, American actors, sort of with dodgy makeup, with sl- to make their eyes slanty and stuff, to make them look Asian, oh, cool, cool. and it's just ridiculous. It's it just look, it looks quite offensive, and and it's it just looks bad. It just looks plain looks bad, and so you've got this dodgy sort of makeup, and plus you having the char- the actors put on different accents in the stories. Um, including Tom Hanks uh, putting on, this, I think he's like a Cockney accent or something like that, playing this sort of dodgy gangster type character in the, in, in the modern day story, which is just laughably bad. It's horrifically bad, and it just it just means that there's a lot of sloppy sloppiness in there, uh, which is really disappointing because so much of it does work, and on the whole, it is quite, it is strong. Uh, I think the other thing that I found better in the uh, film than the book was I think the overall message the overall message of sort of slavery and, and enslavement it, it's it's a lot clearer in the film uh, a lot stronger and it sort of handles it quite well compared to a lot of other films a lot of I mean like watching Lincoln and Django and Chains and stuff like that recently where they'll have these big epic speeches and and uh, you know, it's very obvious what what the message is um, here, it's it's handled fairly subtly. I mean, you do get a few uh, monologues and things like that, but nothing nothing too sort of drilled home. So I did find it an interesting an interesting film. It's it's interesting. It's very entertaining. It's just flawed. It's just a bit of a mess um, in terms of not how it was constructed. I think the structure was great. I think they've handled that very well. But a mess in terms of just some random stuff going on that just should shouldn't have happened and just makes it look a bit amateurish at times but yeah how does Halle Berry hold up because um it seems like an odd cast it seemed like yeah. any one of like either either like I, I can't imagine a film in which Halle Berry and Tom Hanks complement each other no she's um yeah no they're an, they're an odd match um she, she's she's okay she's uh She's not amazing, but 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 not bad. She didn't she didn't stand out. The one who did stand out as bad is Hugo Weaving. He's Surprise! He, he's such a one note actor, and and he's just doing his same because he he always plays the sort of evil henchman character here in each of the stories, and and that's what he always plays in any other film, and uh, and it's just he's very tired. His sort of whole shtick, his sort of Matrix type 
Mr. Anderson. But they're all a little bit one note. That's my concern is that none of them have any kind of like they're all good actors in supporting roles, but they not they don't. I don't really see how they would support each other. Tom Hanks can be very good in the right roles. Um, Mm. And to be honest, Halle Berry's Halle Berry's been decent in a few films. I think she just chooses films quite badly. Oh, okay. You think she just um, has terrible choice? I think she can be okay when she tries. She's not amazing, but... She's won an Oscar. Yeah, she's won an Oscar. Yeah, but, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's won an Oscar, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Who was? Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't think Oscars are a measure of, uh, of talent. They're a measure of what's trendy that particular yeah. year. <laughs> but no, uh, they can't... They, uh, yeah, I mean, what's his name? Ben Wishaw and stuff like that. He's pretty decent. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks isn't bad apart from his accents in the... Um, Korean bits. In the, no, in the modern day bits. and the He's not in the Korean one that much. And the sort of way into the future one. Um, uh, the way into the future one, he's, they have this weird sort of dialect which doesn't really work on screen, especially not... And Tom Hanks can't do it. <laughs> I mean, the film sounds absolutely ludicrous. In a kind of brilliant way, as in like... Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it is not like anything you'll ever yeah. see. So it makes it interesting to see. It's just very, very flawed. Uh, but it's really... I'd, I'd, I would definitely get... I'd say go and watch it if you're intrigued. It's, it's like three hours long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it didn't feel too long. It's, there's so much in there. It needs to be that long. It couldn't, yeah. it couldn't be shorter. Whereas we were talking about Django Unchained last week. There was no reason that had to be almost three hours long. Because um, the story is so simple, this this is like six Django Unchained storylines in one, so it's it's allowed to be that long in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard that it's not long enough. Like it'd have been better as a six-pack miniseries. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot more in the book. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that they've really sort of shaved down and, and got rid of. Yeah. Because yeah. you could do that with that, that those all those stories. Completely. Yeah, but I think it worked. I think it worked that way. Yeah. I don't think it needed more. I mean, I struggled to get through the book. I thought it was, in actual fact, too I many think, big words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think shaving it down worked because it, I, I struggled. It took me ages to finish that book. So, it is a big book. Mm. Cool. So, Laura, have you seen anything else? Yeah, we haven't talked about Wreck It Ralph yet. Ah, Wreck It Ralph. Yes, see that. Oscar Travels Have you no, not seen it, Dave? No. Huh? Oh, Dave, you're missing out. I wanted out. to go and see it, but I James wants to see it. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it didn't win. So what's Rocket Ralph? Um, right, what is Wreck-It Ralph? Well, it do, is... Do you think, not that we should chat about... No, we'll chat about Oscars in a minute. Go on, then. Yeah, we can chat about Oscars in a minute. Um, well, it is set in a arcade, uh, and it's it's basically a story about the guy Wreck It Ralph, who is the bad guy in uh, in a computer game called called isn't it called Wreck It Ralph? Yeah, is it? I thought it was Fix It Felix. No, the game's called Fix oh, It Felix. Felix. Yeah. Oh, okay, Fix It Felix. Sorry, I'd forgotten that. Um, and basically, the, the, his job is to, to wreck everything and in the game, and Felix has to fix everything, which they use to great effect uh, later on in the story. Um, and uh, and the idea is that Wreck-It Ralph has become a, you know a little bit disillusioned with the fact that he's always kept outside the apartment. He has to live in a dump um, outside this kind of tower that all the rest of the characters in his game live in. Um, and you know, and he he decides that when they have a party, they're celebrating so many years of the game, I can't remember how many, and he goes up and he's like wants to be invited and they don't really <coughs> want him around and basically he just decides, he says, if, you know, if I can win a medal, can I come and live in the apartment with the rest of you? And that's what's decided and that's sort of where it starts as a catalyst. He goes off to try and win a medal, goes into another game that's um, like a shoot 'em up game 
um, which in which there's a you can get a medal, and obviously it's called Hero's Duty. Hero's it's like Duty. Call Duty yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Call of Duty. Yeah. And basically, he it all goes a bit wrong for him. He decides to go and get this medal anyway. That's up in this tower, and then chaos ensues. He causes loads of problems, like the the. Uh, so one of the aliens that's in that game ends up in another game which is called Sugar Rush um, and that's a car racing game um, with lots of pretty coloured uh, it's all candy and uh, sweets and they all like obviously it's a racing game um, and then what happens is one of the aliens from the Call of Duty game ends up in the Sugar Rush game and there becomes the problem so Wreck-It Ralph well, sort of. Wreck-It Ralph then... Yeah, that's more of a subplot up until the end. The main plot is that he loses the medal he, in yeah, Sugar Rush okay. Land and that gets taken. So he loses the medal, he, it goes into Sugar Rush and then he meets this girl who also wants a medal and it transpires she wants a medal so that she can race in Sugar Rush. So it becomes about their relationship and um, about them trying to help each other out, basically. So he tries to help her to be able to race um, and she's, they sort of become friends and it's just, to be honest, there's so much, I can't, I mean, I could go on, there's so much that happens in this film. It's so cleverly written and the, the plots and the twists and the turns. And actually, for a film that isn't, an, an, uh, you know, an animation, a film for children, we really don't see one of the biggest twists in the film. I didn't see it coming. Did, I think you didn't either, did you, Darren? Which is quite unusual for me. I don't know which one you're talking about, but... Okay, well, it doesn't matter. I think I do, yeah, but... But um, it's, it's just brilliant. It's just really well written. It's really fun. It's, it's funny. I found myself laughing at poo jokes. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> brilliant. It is just brilliant. So I need to do my duty. You know, it was proper laugh out loud funny in places. Yeah. Like, it was really good fun to watch. Yeah. It's just, I thought it was just, I just thought the writing was really, really clever. Really clever. Just, you know. And how did you feel? There's loads of video game references. You're not a gamer or anything. How did you, and obviously that clearly didn't sort of alienate you in any way. No, I don't think so. don't think so at all. I think there was a, there's so much in there. Like, that's so... I mean, the thing is, obviously, you know, you need to... There's, it's heavily based in video games, and, like, I think you need to know a little bit about video games to understand a lot of it, but then... I think a lot of the jokes... You'll miss a lot of jokes. I mean, there's loads of yeah. stuff that you didn't get that, you know, but... It doesn't, doesn't matter. But there's the enough story. in there of, you know, you, you know what, you know about video games, you know what they are, and you know, like, you know what it's getting at, so it's fine. Lindsay? Uh, it, it was just lovely. Like, I, I think it, um, it was, there was certain things, like, I, bits of it I did get, like, I was really amused to see Dr. Robotnik in the bad guys meeting, and I liked the whole idea of, you know, the world of the arcade, them all living in, and the plug box as the central station and how they can move between them and stuff. I, I thought it was really sweet. And I like that they built the world and then stuck to it. So the way the people in Fix It, Felix, only moved on straight lines and only moved yeah. in little bounces. And even when they weren't in the game, they still moved in that way. Um, I thought that uh, the woman, the bad girl woman, not the bad guy woman, the woman from the, uh, the grown-up game, voiced by the woman from Glee, Sue... What's face? I thought she was brilliant. Um, it was just lovely. It was really entertaining. Um, I loved the little the bit at the end with the democratic state instead of a monarchy. Yeah. And um, really, really tickled me. I was like, it's brilliant because I was a bit disappointed without revealing too much. And I was like, no, don't do that. And then they didn't. And I was like, yeah. Um, I thought she was great. It was Sarah Silverman. Yeah. yeah I couldn't believe she it, was was it. She was brilliant. Because I actually yeah. find her quite irritating. 
with the exception of the I'm fucking Matt yeah. Damon video, which I think is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I agree. I've always yeah, found I find it quite irritating. Yeah. But actually, I really liked her and I liked the kind of... Um, the character that was kind of sweet, like, cause she was adorable, like, especially, you know, the, the things that happened to her and you just, you just want to give her a little cuddle and it's just like, she's the bestest. But um, it made me so happy. Like, I would, I'd totally go and watch it again now. If somebody said, should we go and watch Wreck-It Ralph? I'd be like, yeah, let's go. There's so many um, great things about it, though. You said about the democracy and I, uh, this is one of the things I really liked about saying it to Darren and he, I don't know if he completely was with me on this, but... It's hard to because I don't want to give it away the ending, but I just think that the fact that it isn't about the female characters in it, they're not about being princesses and being lovely, no. about being sweet and pretty and girly, and it's just like actually so nice that that's the case. And I know it's not the only animation that has done that, but I just think this this really is like the, the, all characters are fully formed, whether they're male or female, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, and I loved. Um... The guy, again, I don't know his name, the guy from 30 Rock as Fix-It Felix Jr. When he, oh, it's just, just so cute. Because that's all I can say about the film. It was just adorable. It was just, made me just joyful. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, have nothing yeah. intelligent to say about it other than, you know, I just, what, what? The film, I do actually think it was an absolute borderline sort of animation masterpiece yeah, of a film. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I obviously loved all that. The, 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 there must be hundreds and hundreds of video game references and characters, and so I obviously loved all that as well. But even just as of take all that away as a film, it was amazing. I mean, I mean, it, it is. I, I did think it was the comedy was absolutely brilliant. I mean, personally, I wasn't a big fan of all the heroes' duty being referenced to being poo. I'm not a massive fan I of that. I thought it was but, hilarious. Yeah, but generally, I thought the comedy was absolutely brilliant. And but the big thing about it for me was the sort of the emotion, the, the, the story that re- I found yeah. it really sort of touching. And it had I mean, a really strong plot. Oh, this, yeah. I mean, I get onto that in a sec. But I mean, something that you didn't mention was that this relationship he has with this girl, she is a glitch in her game. So everybody else well, in I the game. I didn't spoil it. Put in. Yeah, I, I didn't want to spoil it. I knew that already. Yeah, that's in the trailer. But also, there's and, so much in this film, it's hard. And then, but, but the, you say about there, but she needs to, she wants to be allowed to race, so she steals his coin, and you need a coin to race, so she's allowed to race because of this coin. And then everybody else in the game doesn't want her to race. She's not allowed to race because she's a glitch. She's not a real character. She's a, like a bit of coding that went wrong. And then there's the King Candy, who's the sort of, the, the, the kind of person who runs Who does Sugar his Rush. voice? Pardon? I don't know. Who does his voice? Because it seems really familiar. Don't know. Um, and then they're all trying to get him, get her not to race, and Ralph's helping her. But then they get to Ralph, and but the, the, you know, so you know that kind of both characters are sort of obviously sort of outcasts in their own game, and uh, you know, and but that side of the story I thought was so sort of brilliantly handled, and mm. and it's just I just found it really sort of touching and kind of quite emo, you know, kind of it really got to me to be honest. Um, but I mean, the main thing about the film, I it. The script writing is is absolutely um, flawless. It is an absolute masterclass in structure um, to write. You know, I just think if you're studying writing in any way, or you want to be a screenwriter, or any read the script to this and just look at how it constructs itself. I mean, from everything. I mean, the amount of sort of depth to the sort of relationships and the variety of relationships and subplots and and how they all intermingle. It does plant and pay off to absolute perfection. And it, mm. it, it, in that it's it put you completely unpredictable. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to get right. Plant and pay off. It's like you plant something, pay it off later. I mean, it usually sort of signposted a mile away, but it's just plays it geniusly. And um, and even just kind of like their qualities, like each character's got their 
own quality. Like, you know, like you, you hinted at it, like Wreck-It Ralph. What's he good at? Wrecking things. Fix-It Felix. What's he good at? He's good at fixing things. And what's, you know, and, and it's kind of obvious when you say it aloud, but the way it kind of plays it out in the context of the film, it, it's just brilliant how it uses, you know, everything's got a purpose, but it never feels forced. You, you never think, oh, they've only made him in how to wreck stuff because they wanted to do that in the film. It's more, it feels like the story comes from the characters, if that makes sense. And then it yeah. works because of who the characters are rather than working, you know, kind of retrofitted, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, shoehorning characteristics into yeah, either plot. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like the plot was formed out of these characters and these relationships. So it feels, it's just, it felt perfect. Like, it was just like, this is just an amazing, amazing script. Um, and yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was incredible. And they're making a sequel. Awesome. And oh, they've okay. said, yeah, said that they're going to, um, well, they want to create a great role for Mario. It's good. They said that they wanted to put him in this, but they said that the, nothing was fit, you know, it wasn't good enough for him. He's too good a character. You know, if you're going to use him, they're going to use him well. So, do, the you, um, do you know there's a game? They actually made the Fix It Felix Jr. game. You can download it as an app. You can I, play the I game guess, that they yeah. made up. Yeah. It is it's brilliant. There's how the animation style, like each character, each game has got their own animation style, and that's yeah. how they move in the game, and it's just, oh, it's just brilliant. It's so good. The and then, yeah, I can't, the I can't sad think little of the problem I had. Was game has been unplugged and they're just like sort of left. Oh, that was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even that, it creates this world and it creates rules of this world and it's even there, they're so sort of clever and even that sort of, is sort of completely embedded into the story. I mean, it is just, I mean, the amount of development that must have gone into the script is unreal because it is absolutely, you know, seamless. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. I know, I just forget how I Honestly, again, did you see the short film at the beginning, Lindsay? Because we missed it. Yeah, that was lovely. That won the it, best short did film you see it? I've, I've heard it's stunning, yeah. It's, um, you probably find out online, it's basically a, um, there's a guy, it's all quiet, it's, um, it's a sign and it's in black and white and there's, um, there's like a man, that's who it was, he looks just like Jay, mainly he's got massive yeah. nose and dark hair, um, <laughs> so he looks loads like Jay um, and he, he kind of makes eye contact with this girl. Um, because a piece of paper flies off his pile of paper and hits her in the face and it gets ends up with her lipstick on it. Um, and then she gets on a train one way and he gets on a train the other. And then when he's in his office, he can see her in a building over the road. So he starts throwing all these paper aeroplanes, okay. but they none of them make them over to her. And then in desperation, the aeroplanes just, just take over and they kind of pretty much, the aeroplanes kind of surround yeah, him and drag him yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're just fucking out, but... Fucking beautiful. Like, yeah. so simple and so pretty. And it's all just simple line drawings yeah. and there's flashes well, of red, like her lipstick's red. Yeah. And she's beautiful. She looks a little bit like... Um, they've kind of got an Aladdin look to them, like kind of Jasmine Ali look from yeah. Aladdin. Um, Although I've, I've heard, actually, you say simple. It has got... It's revolutionised. It's got some sort of new animation technique in terms of using hand-drawn animation and CGI and linking them together. It's some new Gorgeous. way of doing it, which makes it, it does look amazing. But it, um, and it, it is, it's really, it's really clean and it's really unfussy and it works as a silent, um, and like it was, it was proper like, oh, yeah, You can see it online. Um, yeah. I saw it online, yeah. Did you hear about, because um, it won the best short film Oscar, did you hear about the producer getting booted out? Why? Because she was do? on the mezzanine. When, when, um, when it won, she started throwing paper aeroplanes <laughs> and she got thrown out by security. <laughs> how, how smug Aww. do you have to be to bring a stack of paper aeroplanes because you, you know you're going to win? Yeah. That's as smug as pretending your surprise face. Hmm. Well, anyway. <gasps> Me? 
So should we just get straight into the Oscars then, or what? Yeah, we will. Yeah, it's a nice little <laughs> so Oscar special, we've used 45 minutes talking about So how long have we got? Um, we've got 20 minutes. 20 20 minutes. Should we bin off the Oscar travesties? Let's just yeah, talk let's just about talk the Oscars and see what happens. <clears throat> well, okay, well, but let's start the conversation with, were there any travesties this year? Yeah. Well, do you think Wreck-It Ralph should have won Best Animation? <laughs> Is it not, was, was Wreck-It Ralph Best in animation. that pile? Huh? Was Wreck-It Ralph in that pile? Or I thought Wreck-It yeah. Ralph would be nominated. next year. Brave won. No, in America it came out last year. I've not Best seen Brave. Is it any good? No. I thought it was all right. It's better than it. it it's, <laughs> no. it's better than it. But I preferred Frank and Winnie, but I've not seen, I've not it, seen Wreck-It Ralph. Well, that's the problem. Not only Wreck-It Ralph, but Frank and Winnie as well. But Brave is, it's not, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, no. in all fairness. But it wasn't good, and it certainly wasn't anywhere near as good of either of those two films. It is ridiculous that it won, because the story in that film is nowhere near anything like Frank and Winnie or Wreck-It Ralph. And I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know about all the ins and outs of the technicalities of animation, but didn't, to me, didn't look as good as either of those two either. So I just don't understand why. It's a Pixar thing about Pixar and because it's Pixar and people who vote have probably never seen any of them. Yeah. And yeah. they just go, oh, Queenie, nobody saw it. So they were just like, oh, what's Yeah, but do you think the Oscar voters would have fucking seen any of them? But it always, the amount of money stuff makes usually makes a difference. Uh, because more people have seen it, more people are talking about it. It's, it Oscar voters are lazy. They go by True. what everyone else says. But yeah, yeah. popularity, money. What do people prefer, Frank and Winnie or Wreck-It Ralph? Ralph? I didn't see Frank and Winnie. Fair Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. Oh, Lord, I like yeah, it. I did, I did. Right, Balls I out, on the table, let's go. I love Frank and Winnie, but it's the same that I said about it before. I just think that it's, I've, it wasn't anything new for him, whereas Wreck-It Ralph was new was it, for me. I just thought it was just... Name me another film that looks like Frank and Winnie. Tim Burton's films. Yeah. But... <laughs> That's what I mean, it wasn't anything new for him. But that's unfair. Maybe, maybe, but that that's kind of swayed my opinion. Fair enough. Well, you just thought, oh, it's just like, okay, fair enough. I did love it, don't get me wrong. I don't know, I probably prefer Frank and Weenie. Wreck-It Ralph was, I don't know, Wreck-It Ralph's got more to it. Frank and Weenie's much more simple. Yeah, I was going to say, you were saying that Frank and Weenie's got loads better story than Brave. I, I don't think I'd disagree with that. I don't think there's a lot to Frank yeah, and Weenie's story. But, um... But I preferred Frank Winnie. No, yeah. but the thing is... It's a much is, better, more effective film. Is, but it's a more effective story. Mm, I don't know. It I is. quite like it's the story kept Brave. It, no, but Brave could keep a simple story. <laughs> and it could have kept a simple story and done it much better. It, it was There was parts that were really jarring. Mm. Didn't really... Yeah, but that's confused. maybe more the way it told that story. Not necessarily maybe, but... The story. But, um, but anyway, but I mean, Frank Winnie is very simple, very slight, but beautiful and perfect. Yeah, and very funny. Yeah, and Wreck-It Ralph... Is it, yeah, they're both amazing. I, I think I've not seen Brave, but it's fucking robbery. Yeah. <laughs> what any club is this year for you, Dave? Um, I was because I was as we heard last week. I, I was quite disappointed by Django and Chain, so I was a bit pissed off on that one best script. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, <laughs> other than that, although at the same time I wasn't that pissed off that Christoph Waltz won. I thought he was very good in the film. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, no, I mean, I, I was fairly happy. I mean, personally, I preferred Life of Pi and Beast of the Southern Wild to Argo, but I still liked Argo, mm. so I wasn't that bothered to see it win. I think just because it's won every other award, uh, I was a little go. bit like... Uh, go. It's uh, very go. good, though. <laughs> but um, I, w- I was happy to see uh, Ang Lee win Best Director. That was quite a bit of a surprise, actually. I, I thought it'd be um, Steven Spielberg, but, um, but no, I was happy to see that one, because I-, I liked Life of Pi a lot. 
Um, yeah, so it, was, it wasn't a particularly... There weren't that many shocks this year. I think director was a bit of a shock. Um, what else? There weren't many Actress shocks. Actress was a bit still, oh, not a shock, but it was up it in the air, shock, wasn't it? Yeah. But no, I, I, yeah, I expected her to win, but, but I've not seen that film, so it's, I it, can't comment. I'm glad Les Mis didn't win much. Much. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. seems to, they seem to have moved away from the trend of big one big film winning all the awards. Yeah. Well, I don't think that they've moved away from it. I just think by default, I just think that's just happened. I think well, it just to be fair, the year. weakest it's... reviewed black film by far this year in terms of Oscar films. Um, so well, it's because most people surprise. are dickheads. Most people are so PC, and loads of people that I grew up with Argo because it put like Iran. Even I don't agree with it, but it put Iran in sort of painted it in sort of a negative light, and it's like oh, and it's just this kind of like well, it's told from a fucking certain perspective. Yeah, that's how they saw it. What is wrong with that? But now, if this was made in the seventies, no one would have cared. But now people are so fucking precious, yeah. and and it's just like oh, it's it's controversial. Argo is controversial. Is it fuck controversial? <laughs> yeah. Well, also people like to people like to create. Controversy and and um, and conflict where there is none in order to fill blogs and comment pages and empty yeah, newspapers. And, exactly. But, you know, exa- it's it's content for content's sake and, and all irritating. this chat. Like some of the guy on the news the other day was like, oh, and there was a throwaway line to how the British weren't interested. Naturally, the British were unable, so they didn't have to say it, and they could have just said that the British don't have the resources and can't help us right now. And it was like, seriously, mate, just step away, yeah, step exactly. away from from the paperwork and go and have a gin because I think so, you need to lie down. Somebody today in the Guardian really, really aggravated me. It was on about a more. This silly woman, and that is relevant, may I add. I'm going to get there. And she was slagging off a more saying, it just promotes euthanasia. So what? So what? Yeah. Why like, can't we have a film that promotes euthanasia? What's wrong with that? And she also said... How does it, it promote it, it exactly? Because he kills her at the end. Oh, <laughs> in quite a horrific way, isn't well, it? Well, he suffocates her, but... Yeah. Oh, I've not seen it yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think I think these things, yeah, but I think these, I don't think it's seen Sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I don't think it's as simple as it promotes euthanasia. So even though that comment is well, obviously the whole. But then she yeah. started saying, "Oh, and um, if it but nobody cared that it was about euthanasia. Um, but if it was a woman doing it to man, then there'd be uproar. But because it's a man doing it, she was a raving feminist basically, and she was basically saying that it was because it was a man that was the big problem. What? That's fucking ridiculous. That oh my, ridiculous. it was so that infuriating. I was like, how are the Guardian publishing this? Hmm. How? It's, oh, it's, it's aggravating. It drives traffic to their website. I know, Again, but it's... Content. it's why they, yeah, but that's they... what the Sun do, isn't it? That's what the Daily Mail no, do. No, they all do it. Well, they shouldn't. They all do it. They all publish controversial stuff and pointless bits of kind of tittle-tattle in order to drive traffic to their websites yeah. and raise revenue. The only people not really doing it at the Times because they have a paywall and they just print, you know, right-wing propaganda. <laughs> I might have a slightly biased view of the Very world. frustrating. But, um, yeah, she was basically saying that if it was a woman killing a... You know, it, it basically... Oh, it's just this ridiculous sort of feminist argument that just isn't there in any way, shape or form if you've seen the film. It's... Oh, it was maddening. Surely the film, and the film's not about gender, is it? The film's no, about no, kind of compassion and... She's not... She's, I've not seen she's, it, but that's my understanding of it, that, it, you know, it's about... Well, I, would, I would be surprised if she's actually seen that film because that film is so... In many ways, so beautiful and so sad, and so, like how you could get. No, that she clearly out. has seen the film. She goes into it. In oh quite right, a lot okay. Of so I don't. She's got no excuse. She's just a so dick. She's just. Just creating an argument. Well, I feel that... sorry for her that she has to watch a film with those eyes and can't just enjoy it for what it is because that yeah. is ridiculous. It's not got that. It's not got that about it at all in any way, shape, or form. But, but obviously, a more did win best foreign film. I mean, 
I think a lot of people would have liked to have done a bit more than that. Yeah. Um, but was it in the best film list as well? It was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, the Oscars in general. I don't even general, think it's the best film at Cannes. The so. Oscars in general, they're just they 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 don't like world cinema. I mean, they've got the foreign film category, but. It's very rare that it, anything gets nominated for anything else. And when it does, it never bloody wins, um, which is always a bit of a shame. But, and he doesn't deserve it. Well, no, maybe not this time. But, I mean, in the past, there's so many decent yeah. films around the world that have been passed over in turn for, in, in, for shit like Chicago and stuff like that. <coughs> just... but, but it's like a good stat. Was that in the last 20 years or something, there's only two films that have not won Best Picture and Best Director or something. Both of them rang Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. For Crouching Tiger in um, yeah. Life of Pi. <laughs> Crouching Tiger, how did that not win? That was a travesty, but it was the wrong year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Crouching Tiger is better than Life of Pi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely. But what are we happy with? What, I mean, I was very pleased about Argo. I thought Argo is, is my favourite film of last year. Um, I, I thought Christopher Waltz was brilliant in Django Unchained, was, and I'm, yeah. I'm not. Se- I've actually not seen any of the other films, which is a real shame. But like, it was a, you know, it, he was to me a standout in that film, full stop. <coughs> like, I think he really held that film together, and I'm, it's interesting that he gets a supporting actor as opposed to just an actor nomination. Oh, but then I guess because it's he's more of an ensemble. A lot, but he's not. But at the same time, um, not main character. Jamie Foxx is that little bit in in it that little bit more. So. Yeah, you could always argue Jane Fox is the lead, but that's that, that's 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 saying that films only have one star, though. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. I mean, compared to Anne Hathaway, maybe a dated Anne format. Anne Hathaway's in the film for about ten minutes. I mean, uh, she only got it because she needs one of these awards. She yeah. shaves her fucking but, head and cries on screen. It's boring. It's boring. It's boring that Academy Awards always go to women who make themselves ugly. It happened with Charlize Theron. It happened with yeah. Halle Berry. It happened with Anne oh, Hathaway. Oh come on, she doesn't like, make herself She got ugly. fat and ugly. Yeah, she is, she is, come on, Lindsay, that's a bit harsh. Charlize well, no, Theron is phenomenal in that you know, film. Anne Hathaway is phenomenal. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence doesn't. No, I'm not. It's not obviously every time there's an award. I'm yeah, but then, I'm but saying I don't think it's a gender thing. You can say the same about men. Kind of men who kind of spacking themselves up or whatever, like you know, Forrest Gump, yeah. but you know, it's about people did, who transform. Did Tom Hanks get the Oscar for Forrest Gump? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I have that was, but it happens all the time with men. It's, I think it's just in a simple way a when people transform and be yeah. the opposite of what they are, people think that's acting. Yeah. Like, uh, whereas actually that's just good good makeup and special effects. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I've, I mean, got, yeah. I've got to disagree with you as well. I was, I, like, I mean, I haven't, I don't know who else was up for um, supporting actress in terms of other women, and I don't know if I've seen any of their performances. Jackie Wheeler. You haven't seen it. She's Silver Liners Playbook. Okay. Um, Field. Amy Adams. Oh, so, yeah. The Master. Right. Yeah, see, I haven't seen their performances. No, I've not so seen So I can't either. make a comparison, but I thought Anne Hathaway, and I don't particularly rate her very much usually, but I thought that scene was absolutely incredible. Helen Hunt. She, she and is I there think, for that one scene. And I, I mean, think, that scene is incredible. you know, she... You know, if there's a if there's an award to be had for that scene, she she absolutely deserved it. I thought it was brilliant. In mm. fact, and I think her performance in that in Les Mis was by far the standalone decent thing in it for me personally. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Just, yeah. I thought Eponine was amazing personally. But... Yeah, she was good too. Yeah. Uh, but but no, she is amazing in it. To be fair, and she doesn't uglify herself. She gets all, she chops her hair, she got her hair, hair, hair but, actually oh, yeah, chopped off for the role, though, yeah. That's the oh, way. It, it, it looks great now, but that's a different style. Have you seen it, Lynn? L- Lame is, no, it has absolutely no appeal to me. Nah, I mean, yeah, if, you, if it doesn't appeal to you, then... That's I, it, I, it's one of those films, if you want to watch it, if, <coughs> everyone I know that wanted to see it has been, you know, really pleased with it, but no, it has, it has no appeal to me, I don't really, no. <laughs> uh, I thought it was abysmal, but... 
So that's why I was pleased I didn't win anything. Mm. Um, anything How about Seth MacFarlane? What did people think about the... Uh, He's been getting ripped, hasn't he? I yeah, thought he was I pretty good. Was I right. kind of enjoyed it personally. I would have liked. The pop, well, the, yeah. I suppose I didn't really, I didn't watch any of it. Did you guys watch it all again? Live, yeah. yeah. I was. It's Ill, kind so of I like I just, I don't know what people expected. Like he went up there and he did what Seth MacFarlane does, which is Family Guy and Ted. It's the same shtick all the time. You know, it's kind of slightly on the edge, kind of vulgar comedy it's like what did they what did they exactly, expect yeah. It's, just, yeah it's like what do you expect it, when you book Ricky Gervais it's like people people go oh, I can't believe you did that and it's like but that's his persona that's the, yeah. the that's his that's his gig although in, interestingly I was reading I was reading some something because obviously he was brought on because the Oscar but Oscar not voters the Oscar uh, whatever's uh, are, are desperate to get a younger audience watching and supposedly he did increase like there's 11% more like teenagers and young adults and stuff watching than usual and it and more people watch the show than than usual like a six percent or something like that not loads but uh, still a marked difference so he was popular choice and and yeah no i agree i i think i think he was good he took he took about he took a couple of minutes to get going the first two minutes were a little bit cringeworthy that the the jokes weren't going down well at all but then he sort of once his sort of song and dance thing started um and, and got going, then uh, uh, he, he was very good. This is another thing that people have been going apeshit about. He did this song about boobs. Mm. Boobs. Right? And it was funny. It's a funny song. He talks about all the women who have got their boobs out and that he's seen them, yeah. right? And he, and there's a couple of this, this, and he talks about like, and it ends in a gag where he's where it ends in Kate Winslet and he lists all the films and she got her boobs out. It's yeah. funny, really well. I thought it was a really good little piece. Well, a couple of the scenes, a couple of the scene films that he mentioned, the boobs got the the, the boobs, <laughs> the women, same thing to me. Um, the women, <laughs> the women got their boobs out in like rape scenes, right? And okay. people have gone ape shit saying how like tasteless it was that he sang about these women, like Helen Ong got her boobs out and fucking accused her or whatever. When that she it was, she got um, oh what you know uh, <laughs> yeah, Jodie Foster was it? Yeah. But she was being raped in that film. That's when she got her boobs out. And it's like people sort of linked, like, oh, like half the films you mentioned were like rape scenes or something. And I was just like, what? What are you on about? He's singing a song about women getting the boobs out. Yeah. That... But it's about taste, isn't it? And he's he was never going to be to everybody's taste. And yeah, but you know, ref- it, it wasn't about what the films were. No. It wasn't about the. Co- it wasn't. A, it was just like Helen Hunt. We've seen Helen Hunt's boobs. We've seen her boobs. We've seen her boobs. We've seen her boobs. Yeah. It was just weird that there's a big uproar about yeah, the fact right. that some of the films were from rape scenes. It's like yeah, ridiculous. Was people it? just picking holes what? where they mental. Don't even think. <laughs> but the thing is, I bet 99% of the people didn't even think about it or even know. Because no. that wasn't what it was about. But no. these people then go, oh, fucking no. Did they do a Willy montage? No. no. There was a no. sock puppet version of The Flight, which is quite cool. <laughs> that, was <funny. laughs> that was very funny. Mm. Um. I was really ill and I didn't get to watch it and um, I asked really nicely if my boyfriend had taped it for me and he, he did, it was really nice of him thanks for that yeah. watch the highlight show <laughs> surely the anyway. ceremony's just painful anyway it's so long it yeah. is long but I would like, at, least, at least something like the Golden Globes everyone gets pissed and they get slightly better or you know slightly funnier hosts the Oscars is just a lot of uptight people who've no sense of humour because they're fucking hungry because they've starved themselves for two weeks to fit into ridiculous dresses <laughs> you know this is why this is why people got mad and people got upset and people got angry about boob montages because they're they're hungry and they're tired and they're wearing dresses that are sticking them in different places it wasn't the stars that got angry. Oh, that was the stars, yeah. yeah it's um 
it's it, yeah it's an odd thing it has the ceremony has no appeal to me i don't mind the red carpet stuff which i know you love darren oh god Jane just tried to put it on, we wouldn't let it. Best dressed of the evening? Although, interestingly, what, what happens is if you Google Oscar Ali 2013, which I just did to get a list of the winners, the first kind of five or six posts are all um, work best and worst dressed. They're all fashion posts. So what do you think was the best and worst then, Linz? Um, For anyone who gives a shit. Favourite dress was probably Naomi Watts. Um, nice. And my least favourite... Um, I haven't really considered my least favourite. I've not seen them all. No. But Naomi Watts's Naomi Watts's dress was lovely. Um, it was really. What was, it was I didn't see that one. I it was kind of gold, silver, one-shouldered, quite structured. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's dress oh, yeah. was far too big, fabric, as was evidenced by the fashion. <laughs> Shut up, Dave. <laughs> Nobody cares. No, I care. How do you know? Other people might care, but um, yeah. Do you know who else's dress was really nice? I think she was someone with Richard Gere, I presume it's his wife. I think it was Richard Gere. Oh, right. Now, okay. This is going on far too long. It's going on far too long. No, hang on. We gave you that little mini platform. Deb McFarlane's boob montage. You talk. Yeah, you talked about a boob montage. That was about films. That was about films. That was about boobs in films. I mean, when you say it, it sounds like really sexist. Oh, yeah, no. And it actually really is. Like, if you think about it, it's like. Um, especially considering done. that more and more women, more, there's more and more women in the industry. It's ironic sexism. More women, you know, that are kind of that won't stand for it anymore because it's seen as quite a sexist industry anyway. But they, 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 none of these people watch Family Guy. If you don't like what, you know, it, it makes sense that that's what Seth MacFarlane would do because that's what I said. It's, it's what he does. You know, if, yeah, if it was done in a skit which is from the future that. Him, of him fucking up the Oscars. That's how it was presented. Like, you fucked up the Oscars. Why? Because you did a song about boobs. Yeah. And then it showed the song about boobs. It's so, in the same way. He'd do a montage about fat people. It's what he does. He, he does offensive comedy. There were so um, many black jokes. It was unbelievable. So many racist <laughs> Really? Yeah, I, um, was, I was always wondered... I always couldn't quite work out Family Guy for a very long time. I was never quite sure whether I found it offensive or just <laughs> funny. See, so. Family Guy's not, to me, not as, nowhere near as good as um, South Park, but, but mm. Family Guy is good, but South Park, I just think, has a slightly more intelligent edge. South, South Park, once it got past its scat stage, moved past all of that kind of, uh, boobs, uh, black people, uh, women, and moved into, you know, actual genuine satire, but, and I'm not sure Family Guy's ever quite managed that. And no, Ted, it hasn't. I just think, it, but it is terrible. really funny. If that makes yeah. sense, it, it's not in, no, it's not intelligent in any way, but it's just very funny. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, it, it doesn't always stuff can just be funny because yeah, it's exactly, funny. exactly. Sometimes yeah, it can yeah. be funny because it's naughty. Yeah. But people don't have a sense of humour about these things, especially not as I said when they're fucking hungry and tired and they're like ah, um, and you know. But I haven't seen I haven't seen it, and I, and because I didn't want to see it, and everyone was like boob montage. I was like I don't want to watch it. Oh, did you hear about the boob montage then? Yeah, you know, it kind of crops up on various things. There was a lot of noise the next day about Seth MacFarlane. <gasps> and I was just like, get over it. Switch off. That's what you do. You switch off. If you don't like it, switch it off. No one's making you watch these things. In the same way when people complain about TV programs that offend them, it's like switch off, walk out, go home, do something else. Don't just sit there in order to build up a kind of, uh, what's it called? Uh, an objection to something just so you can have your kind of furious moment. Turn over, watch something else, go to bed. Um, get your boobs don't, out. Don't, I don't know. spend two hours talking about what people are wearing and then get upset about <laughs> Seth MacFarlane doing a joke about boobs. Boobs, boobs, boobs. Um, we'll have to end, I suppose, yeah. on um, Daniel Day-Lewis. 
The most oh, yeah. coveted sort of uh, male sort of Oscar winner ever. Ever. Myla Fort. Oh, he's so good in that film. He is incredible in that film. That's there such a there will be blood good film. And, uh, and Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, and he was very funny. Yeah, he was very funny. He was, he was probably the funniest thing that happened. Yeah. I've, I've seen his funny speech. at the BAFTAs as well, yeah. Who, who's the act- actress who's won more than him? Like, than he Catherine won? Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn, that's it. Mm. Didn't know that. Um, catching up. He's got a bit of catching up to do. One more. One more. One more. Well, oh, he's definitely two more got to one beat more up. in him. Yeah, yeah he's still, still youngish. Not young, young, but I'm sure he's no, got he's, a he's years. Got I bet he's got a better strike rate. How many films has he made? Yeah, he's hardly made any. <coughs> yeah, because I, mean, I bet, because that's what I thought, she yeah. must have churned them out. Um, yeah. Not to not be achievement, but, um, yeah. but I thought he was great. He I mean, was, that's the thing. was there any funny... Because I can't remember, like, last year, obviously, like, um, Chris Rock was brilliant when he did his animation, sort of. Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, there weren't many of the... I can, I can barely remember any of the presenters this year. They were a bit unmemorable. But Who was painful, like... Paul Rudd and that. Oh yeah, and what's the face from this woman bridesmaid? Bridesmaid. I was gonna say that yeah. fat woman from bridesmaid, but I didn't want to be. But you'd all know who I meant. Oh, yeah. Melissa McCartney. That's yeah. Oh, painful. Well, it was like the Baftas as well. That was what. That was like considering these people are paid to perform. It amazes me how incapable they are yeah. of presenting awards in a way that looks anything other than really Rabbit fucking awkward like and stilted. Oh, okay, One of the best things though was um, Christian Stewart, whatever. Kirsten Stewart clearly smashed out her face. Oh, yeah. oh no, she was on. She on broke, drugs. She'd broken oh. her foot. That's why she was stumbling all over the place. She was on. She well, appeared no, on. No, no, she she arrived on crutches. She was. No. She was limped on. It wasn't the limp on. It was the. She was just her eyes like oh, out of it. Was, it, it was yeah. the, the glazed expression and the drool. Weren't yeah. they saying that about Renee Zellweger though? Who couldn't like? That's the plastic surgery. Oh, also <laughs> the. the Whole getting Michelle Obama to present the best oh, picture. Oh, random! I forgot about that. Talk about Michelle scene Obama. stealer, but quite a coup for them because she's she's quite the PR positive for a lot of people. Um, yeah, but I yeah, it's completely random and misplaced in my opinion. But I thought it meant they were going to give it to Lincoln. That's <laughs> what's going on. Interesting, a presidential tie. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, there, there's and, one one other thing I'd actually to mention is, uh, do you guys know about what was happening outside the Oscar room that was never shown on the broadcast? There's a massive, uh, there was a big uh, picket thing going on. Um, oh, the visual about, effects. About the visual effects, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Oh, what's the controversy? It's, it's a bit complicated. Uh, basically, it's largely aimed at Life of Pi, because the, the company that did the special effects for Life of Pi um, went bankrupt, and, and they were picketing about visual effects artists not giving, getting given enough credit and, and not, money. Getting, not enough money, really. Mm. So it's all really about money and visual effects artists feeling hard done by... Um, and not getting the respect they deserve. Uh, it was all to do with that, really. But they but... did a press release afterwards saying, oh, it was nice of Ang Lee to thank, um, thank the kind of cinematographer, thank the actors, thank the editor, he even thanked Thailand, and he even thanked the kind of work people who made the swimming pool, but he didn't thank the people who made that swimming pool into a, a yeah. sea, and then also created the second main character, the tiger, and all the other tigers, and made all the... Mm. And the cinematographer didn't thank us either, who... We, we created, yeah. you know, the you know the kind of beautiful visuals of the film. It was really nice for them to completely yeah. ignore it. So. And the um, <laughs> and as well, actually, the the visual because it won it won the it won the uh, award for best visual effects. And if you <coughs> notice, his um, his speech got cut off way shorter than anyone else's. They they brought 
It was weird this year they used the Jaws music to stop to <laughs> cut people off, which was a little bit, it was quite funny, but almost in a bad way. I felt a bit sorry for the people, but he that's clearly, really, the, the music, inspired. it was ridiculous. But the music came in straight away for that guy because they knew he was going to start talking about, about the controversy and he was just like shuffled off quite quickly. So yeah, there was a bit of dodginess going on behind behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. But I don't know the internet it really. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. We should go. call it a day. What should we watch in the Dave's cinema? Dave's got to go and save the world. Go I've got two for ones for the cinema. Come on, tell me what to go see other than um, Flight, which sounds quite good. Um, oh, yeah. What is that? There are actually a few films out in the next coming couple of weeks. We've got Safe Haven, which looks shit. Broken City, which is supposed to be shit. Stoker, <laughs> which looks very, which sounds good, actually. It's by um, the guy who did it's about Boy and stuff. Stoker. Um, yeah, Stoker. Uh, Stoker. We've got Arbitrage, which is uh, like a political thriller sort of drama. The Bay, which is supposed to be a bit rubbish. Citadel, which is... I reviewed it at a film festival ages ago, which is actually pretty good. The it's, Irish film. Yeah, it's the Irish horror film about a, <coughs> a sort of a hoodies that have turned into evil monsters, uh, which is pretty good, but I, I, didn't, I didn't like the direction it took. But anyway, ignore that. Uh, we've got The Guilt Trip, which looks horrific. Barbara Streisand and Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> um, then on the 8th of March, we've got Oz the Great and the Powerful, um, which... Should be interesting. Uh, it's probably yeah, going to be shit. I quite like to watch that. Um, side effects. Steve Sobo's latest. It's supposed to be quite good. Parker, the latest Jason Statham film. Looks, looks the usual. Robot and Frank, which looks intriguing. I wouldn't want to see that badly. It's yeah, about a robot. About a robot. It looks awesome. <laughs> no. Is it, Darren? How did you figure that out? I've seen the trailer. It definitely yeah. is. <laughs> and then um, there's Broken, which I hadn't heard of, but it's got quite a good cast. It's Cillian Murphy and Tim Roth. There's some sort of British British drama. film is meant to be very, very, very good. Tim Roth was nominated for a BAFTA, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was for yeah. this, yeah. Yeah, even though it's not been out yet. I fucking hate it when they do that. But anyway, um, but see, so there's actually some pretty interesting films coming out there. When's Terence Malick's film coming out? Because that's meant to be fucking awful. So the wonder, um, Obviously. <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, I think. I'm not sure. Sounds atrocious. Is there another hour's worth of sequences in it about It is basically, sounds like a sort of a, a light version of Tree of Life, I think. Sounds but if someone was reviewing it and said that there's probably about half an hour of Olga Korolenko swirling around cornfields, like brushing her hands against all the corn, just swirling around. Sounds amazing. And it just makes me want to assassinate Terence Malick. <laughs> he has become his own parody. Yeah. But, but I still like Tree of Life. <laughs> hate Tree of Life. I hate him. But no, I hate that. Like this, just saying like this is a bit shit. He's made nothing decent since Badlands. <laughs> He's made nothing decent other than Badlands. Uh, I thought that's his first film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, let's uh, call it a day. As usual, visit the website and Facebook. Him and Tarantino are the most <laughs> indulgent directors in the history yeah, of Yeah, Tarantino is starting to really piss me off. I, I used to be a bit of an apologist for him, but not anymore. Django Unchained pissed me off. Is there some genius writing in it? There's some great oh, yeah, no, stuff on it. The film it's is flabby. brilliant at times. It's just flabby. Yeah. It needed, a, wet, it needed an edit, a ruthless edit. Is what it, That film in the hands of a decent editor would have been a really good film. It would have been brilliant, yeah. Dave, we should have given it to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> I bet the editor is really pissed <laughs> off. Because they wouldn't have had that much control. Oh, no, yeah. Do you know what I mean? still going to say, fucking put that scene back in. Not like that, because he's not a Yorkshire. <laughs> 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 what kind oh, of accent does he have in and Django Unchained? So. <laughs> oh, he's, he's fucking... Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, that scene would have been the first to fucking go. Okay, come on, Dave. You've got to go anyway, and round up. I need to go and do some house kicking. So, cool. Dave, go watch Wreck-It Ralph this weekend. Uh, I'll try, but yeah, I want to. Cool. I'll see you Bye. Guys later. See ya. Bye. <laughs>
Hey, Nolan, look what everybody is saying about the lair of the unwanted. I know. Jess and Rachel at Real Insights said, The Lair is our number one favorite podcast. Yeah. And Nick Job of Demented Podcast said, I look forward to every episode of The Lair. You know, Dylan Fields of the Lambcast says, I'm planning to get a Lair of the Unwanted tattoo across my face. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Mad Hatter of Matinee Cast said, I fucking love this podcast. I would die for it. Yeah, Scott and Whitney at Frankly My Dear said, We got married thanks to Lair of the Unwanted. Kai of the Milfcast said, Dude, I'm speechless. Check out the almost Lammy-nominated podcast about the best of the worst movies that's out there. Come see what the fuss is all about. Check out The Lair of the Unwanted on iTunes. 